Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Hash Browns! Exactly. And that'll make sense uh, later. But before that, we wanted to uh, just sort of give you the show before the show. I don't know why I'm talking like this. I'm tired, it's uh, early, and I'm in Minneapolis, and I stayed up all night researching Santa Muerte. So uh, let's just kind of get into it. Look, if you want to help us support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. Um, special shouts out to our to our sponsor, Dipsy. Uh, you can find information in uh, the description. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it for, for the up top stuff. It's really fun. Uh, this was a fun way to close out Hispanic Heritage Month and get into the spooky season. Um, and yeah, I'm super fucking excited. This episode rocks, and I'm really glad that we got to do it. Tacos. <laughs> yeah, without any further ado, let's get into the tacos. Yes. Hello. Hello, tacos. <laughs> Bell Grande. <laughs> Fuck. Don't drink the cool for the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. <laughs> and with us we have... Gunka meat. Gunka meat. Paige, explain. Questionable descriptions of body parts. Paige, explain this because you dropped it onto me. I think... <laughs> and then I just started the episode. I didn't even give you time to yeah. think about it. I'm so sorry. You just went... Okay, so Paige goes, <laughs> I was on TikTok and I see a lady call the, the, the meat on her hips, call it gunka meat. And I went, gunka meat? Gunka meat? And she goes, yeah, gunka meat. Thanks for tuning in to Cold Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just drop gunka meat on a guy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I like, as I was like halfway through the info, I was, intro, I was like, yeah, I didn't give any explanation for that. I just dived into it. Um, and your face still looks confused. Yeah, I, I don't know if that person was completely making it up. They may have been. But sometimes when you have hips as a person, mm -hmm. uh, you'll get kind of like a dip where your hips meet your legs mm -hmm. and it's purely just in the way that your like pelvis sits. It's genetic. There's like nothing you could do about it. But like for some reason people obsess about trying to get rid of it. Like in like, I don't know anyway, but it's this like little, little pooch of fat that people often call hip dips because mm -hmm. there's like the fat of your hips and then there's like a dip and then your thighs uh, but it's that like in between chunk of fat that she was calling gunka meat. 
All right, a couple things. First off, um, I regret saying the phrase, you can't just drop gunk of meat on a guy, because obviously you can and you should. Obviously you can and you should, I think, probably. Absolutely. If, I mean, if they've consented and if you're consenting and if everyone's a consenting partner. Uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. All I'm saying, go to the club, drop that gunk of meat. Okay, yeah, secondly... Yeah, yeah. I am Make gonna. Make that gunk of meat clap. I am. <laughs> oh, gunk of meat clap sounds like how gungans talk about STDs. <laughs> you got to be moving your hips, Jar Jar. Misa got the gunk of meat clap. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Misa, it's the worst. Misa. It's the worst STD that the gungans have ever seen. You got to get checked out. Misa, not sure this accent okay. Um, I I'm gonna let you do it, not me. Um, it's Gungan. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. Uh huh. God, that movie has so many racist accents, just back to back to back. Yeah, we haven't haven't even talked about the Trade Federation. Nope, and I will not do it because these nope. are not early episodes of Last Podcast on the Left. Okay, moving on. Harsh truths. <laughs> um. uh, speaking of things that are about uh, um, cultures that aren't white, <laughs> I have the perfect episode page. Um, I'm so excited for this episode, and I'm glad we finally got to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that you did it. <laughs> yeah, because fair enough. sometimes there's an episode that I really want to learn about and I'm curious about, but I'm also just like, there are parts of this I don't understand, or uh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't dig into this. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to talk about it, and a little peek behind the curtain. Um, I am in currently in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, and there was something about being in what I would call the land of a thousand whites that I felt like I wanted to connect a little bit with my Latin roots. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, I went to, and I'll be honest with you, the impetus for this episode was that I went to a, a Minnesota Twins game and I passed by a restaurant in the field called uh, Senor Smokes. And I, it, they, which they sell Mexican food, and I'm putting heavy quotations. I was, was going to say quotations, Mexican food. <laughs> I'm putting uh -huh. real heavy quotations on that because as I walked by it, I watched, uh, I watched a, 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 I watched a, a woman go, "Yeah, can I get three tacos, please?" And the woman behind the counter went, "Oh, those tacos, you betcha." Three tacos, please. Three tacos coming up, and it just, Ugh. oh my god! It, when I tell you that the the white the the mayonnaise was the darkest thing there, it really, <laughs> it really got me. So uh, you know what? Let's just hop on into it. All right. So one of the main selling points of God is that there <laughs> is a higher power that watches over us, rooting for good to conquer over evil. One of the main selling points, I would say. <laughs> I like that you're like, here are the selling points of God. Like, if we're if we're selling God, here well, are the things you want in a God. Um, however, <laughs> in in uh, multi-theistic or non-monotheistic religions, it's not always the case. Sometimes the gods are at war. I've been watching Moon Knight. <laughs> 
Absolutely. I do love this. I didn't think about it that way when I wrote it, but now I'm just imagining like a sweaty man in an ill-fitting suit being like, so what do I got to do to get you going home in a got, huh? <laughs> I got all types of God. Look, I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to afford a Christian God, but maybe a swan that comes down and fucks your daughter. Right, right, right. I want to set you up in a nice, safe, family-friendly God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, we pray to God, Jesus, and their patron saints for protection in this life because, um, you know, the worst among us, don't, they don't really face punishment until the afterlife. But what if there was a direct hotline just for the bad guys. I'm talking about Santa Muerte. The Santa Muerte. The folk religion of death. And you... I, oof. Fascinating. <laughs> so you've probably heard of Santa Muerte from TV shows like Breaking Bad, news reports covering crimes of the cartels, or even from your uncle who did a few years in Chino for stealing catalytic converters. In which case, yeah. please tell him to return my catalytic converter. <laughs> please. If I... Okay. This is so, so terrible. So that happened to you, and it was so sad, but it was also <laughs> the weirdest thing I'd ever heard of. And then I cannot tell you... How many people I have talked to in the last three days that they're like, yeah, everything was going cool, but then my catalytic converter got stolen. And I'm just like, <laughs> how often is this happening? It's an epidemic in Los Angeles, apparently. The catalytic converter getting stolen is like the poor dude's mercury is in retrograde. Does that Honestly, make sense? It's the every dude's mercury is in retrograde right now, my dude. Yeah. Because like. I had like two or three people who were like, I was going to sell my car, but then I got it there and it turns out they had stolen the catalytic converter already. I just like, imagine a three dude. people. I just imagine a dude showing up to a bar and being like, ugh, Mercury's in retrograde. And his friends are like, what? You believe in astrology? And he goes, no, no. They stole the catalytic converter off my Mercury and now it is right. just degrading real it's quick. Immediately depreciating in value. <laughs> Oh, Ugh. my God. But here's the thing. It is the veneration of the Mexican saint of death, Santa Muerte, commonly depicted as a skeleton wearing traditional robes carrying a scythe and scale. Santa Muerte is made even more terrifying because of its ties to violent murderers, gang leaders, and the drug lords who run the cartel. Shrines dedicated to holy death have been found in prisons across America and countless safe houses down south. But what if I told you it's not what you think? See, in the past, we've covered similar movements like voodoo or ghost dance. You know, basically shit that spooks white people who turn around to the nearest camera and then rant about the latest death cult sweeping the nation before they yeah. go to the Minnesota Twins game and order three tacos <laughs> from Senor Smokes. I'm still mad about it. I was going to order tacos, but then this skeleton with a scythe and a scale came in and said, no, no, those tacos will kill you here's because the, they're terrible. They're bad tacos. Here's the worst part is that the way you just said tacos was more authentic than the way they said it. And you were, were trying <laughs> to say it wrong. I channeled my white culture. 
So it is true that Santa Muerte is the saint of death, and it is also true that she's worshipped by a whole heap of bad dudes. But the full story is actually about colonialism, perseverance of the Mexican culture, and even a bit of wholesome empowerment. And if we're going to talk about Guesuda, aka the bony lady, uh, we gotta start at the beginning. <laughs> I oh. like that you had bony lady in your back pocket and we're like, she did this to me with gunka meat. I'm going to wait <laughs> until she's not ready to react to this. Yeah, I love that uh, Santa Muerte basically has about as many nicknames as Little Wayne at this point, where it's just like Santa Muerte, a.k.a. the bony lady, a.k.a. the skinny woman, a.k.a pretty girl like it's just <laughs> aka the femur is for fantastic <laughs> yeah exactly and the worst part is that all of those things that we just said are not even jokes they, those are actual <laughs> nicknames for santa muerte i also I, i'm assume you've driven by so los angeles has multiple churches of santa muerte oh, where yeah. you would like you could just drive by them and i mean i wouldn't you could probably probably couldn't just walk in but there's one on melrose that is one of the scariest looking buildings i've ever seen and then there's another one just blocks away in a strip mall so oh, like yeah. it really t- it, it calls all kinds i guess it really does and that's what that okay that's a lot of what this episode is about today well kind of so uh, let's hop into this death has always been a huge part of mexican culture i mean just ask any white person i meet who feels the need to tell me that they loved coco it happens all the time (laughs) i was like that's why we have that disney movie about it If you want an example uh, of how important death is, by the way, uh, I I just learned about the country's national anthem, uh, which is called Mexicanos a Grito de de, de Guerra, uh, uh, I think is how it's pronounced. I'm so fucked dead Spanish, by the way. Like, I can order a taco, and that's about it. So, uh, so it's not da 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 tacos, da 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 cheese, da 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 burritos, da 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 hats. No, that's see, that's actually our backup one when we. Okay, okay, it's always good to have a backup. Exactly. So the 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 Mexican national anthem translates to Mexicans at the cry of war. And here's the thing, yeah, the Star-Spangled Banner is also about war, sure, because a lot of national anthems are about war, but listen to how fucking metal Mexico's national anthem is. It has lines like, quote, and the earth shall tremble to its core at the resounding roar of the cannon. Um, oh, damn. It's also got such gems like, quote, war, war, the national banners shall be drenched in the waves of blood. Damn. Yeah. War. Huh. Tacos, y'all. What <laughs> is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Uh, and no. if you're thinking. Uh, if Just you're th- national anthems. <laughs> And if you're thinking to yourself, what if Mexico doesn't win the war? Well, the song has that covered, too, with lines like, quote, Oh, fatherland, if however your children are defenseless and trapped by the enemy, may your fields be watered with blood. May your footsteps be printed with blood. Fuck! 
Jeez. Yeah, dude, it's fucking. Damn, Mexico. You didn't have to go all the way off like that. (laughs) Shit. Dude, Mexico is the most metal fucking country in the world. Also, by the way, this is just a rabbit hole that I fell down while researching for this episode. It has absolutely nothing to do with the subject at all. But apparently the story behind Mexico's national anthem is almost as buck wild as its metal ass lyrics. So real quick. The Mexican National Anthem was written in 1853 by a poet named Francisco Gonzalez. Basically, in 1853, the president of Mexico announces that he's hosting a competition to write the country's national anthem. And And this one, they had a contest and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick the guy who told us to kill ourselves at the end. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Well, because the second place one was... Tacos, tacos, tacos. Yeah, and they're like, I mean, it's played out. That's what people are expecting. So Francisco was a talented poet, but he had zero interest in writing a national anthem because he only wanted to write love poems, which he argued was a whole different skill set from writing about war glory in the fatherland, which has me thinking, like, what kind of love poems was he writing? Like, how might I compare thee to a field watered with blood? You know, Um, mm. Roses are red. Blood is also red. Blood can be blue. Let's kill ourselves for the sake of our country. <laughs> so Francisco wants, Francisco wants nothing to do with this competition. But his fiance, Guadalupe, believes that he is the right man for the job. So much so that she convinces all of his friends and family to beg him to give it a shot. But he still refuses... And so she moves on to plan B. She seduces her fiancé, lures him into a secluded room in her parents' house, and then traps him there and tells him he can't get out until he writes the national anthem. (laughs) And by the way, this is a room that is covered in pictures of, uh, like, things that she thinks are, are nationalistic about Mexico, are beautiful about Mexico, and apparently images of war to inspire him to write this fucking national anthem. It takes him four hours before he writes a ten-verse national anthem. Uh, but but when he... Sub- ten verses? Ten verses of this shit, Paige. Ten verses. Oh, this just... It, I imagine that the same process went into that guy who wrote that Texas song, the God bless Texas or whatever, that they just like locked him in a room that was also a meat smoker <laughs> with a bunch of Texas flags, cowboy boots, and then just like abject hatred of anyone not white and, <laughs> and straight. And then they were like, give us what you got. <laughs> oh, my God. So he submits his, basically his fucking epic. I mean, he wrote Beowulf for Mexico, basically. <laughs> and it was unanimously selected to be the best, best submission. And that is how Mexico got its national anthem, which is fucking crazy. Again, nothing to do with the story. But the more no. I read about it, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about mexico what are you talking about that is wild okay so back to back to our story mexico has always been metal as fuck uh but what else do you expect from a country whose flag includes an eagle sitting on a cactus while devouring a rattlesnake 
But per- that is true. Yeah. Mexico's flag has been <laughs> fucking kick ass forever. <laughs> Another just again, a fun fact about Mexico that I didn't know until I started researching this is that um, there is no official record of what exact colors are used on the Mexican flag. Like most countries have sort of like a thing where it's like, okay, now we've, uh, we've sort of like set it in stone and these colors are Pantone code, whatever. Mexico was like, nah, fuck that. It's the ones that we want to use when we want to use them. So there are no official like shades of green and red that are Mexico green and red. In fact, the only time it's ever uh, been like written down, I think they said was the um, during the Tokyo Olympics. Tokyo was like, so what are the exact colors of your flag? And they were like, I don't fucking know. Well, just make sure it's got the eagle eating the fucking <laughs> uh, snake on it. I guess. Da 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 orange. Da 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 green. Da 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 red. Da 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 snakes. Exactly. That's by the way. That's the tenth verse of Francisco's epic poem. He's like, I've been locked in this room for hours. Please let me out of this room. I want to get out of this room. Please, I have written 10 verses. Oh, my God. So, yeah. But perhaps one of the most metal and most fucking terrifying parts of my culture's history was the Aztec religious practices, specifically their obsession with death and human sacrifice. Now you're seeing why I really wanted to cover this, both because, one, we're coming to the end of Hispanic Heritage Month, which is like, you're welcome. Uh, Yeah. And secondly, as we move into spooky season, it's kind of a perfect, like, middle ground, you know? So uh, before we get into it, I want to bring up two things. The first is what Dr. David Carrasco calls an Aztec moment, which sounds like the weirdest fucking TikTok trend, like hashtag Aztec moment. Uh, Like it's giving me human sacrifice vibes, you know, (laughs) it's giving me this game where you hit a ball on your hip through a hole in the wall and then the other person has to try and do the same. You know, what's fucked up. I'm thinking about the road to El Dorado and that bitch definitely had gunk of meat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's like OG gunk of me. <laughs> it's giving me stone carvings of panthers that <laughs> look very swirly. Uh, so at w- what is an Aztec moment? Well, this comes to us from Dr. Carrasco, who is a professor of Latin studies at Harvard, who specializes in the anthropological study of Mesoamerican people. And I really like da- uh, David Carrasco. He is... Um, Man, I wish I had looked this up more, but he's somebody that lived both in America and Mexico for a really long time. He's of Mexican-American heritage, so he's, uh, you know, he's kind of experienced both cultures um, in a really deep way. And so I like a lot of what he has to say. And in his book, uh, Religions of Mesoamerica, and by the way, I like what he has to say because as somebody who uh, isn't as in tune with his, like, I mean, like, I'm Mexican-American, but, like, this fool was Mexican and American, you know, which is, like, to ingratiate yourself in both cultures to really get a deep understanding of both, I think, is sort of, like, just awesome. So, in his book, Religions of Mesoamerica, 
Dr. Carrasco talks about being 13, uh, living in Mexico, and visiting the Museum of Anthropology in Mexico City. He was mesmerized by the Mayan jade sculptures, the giant Aztec calendars, and the art created by his ancestors. But the stories behind a lot of this art centered around the practice of the human sacrifice. And he explained that he felt, quote, a sharp inner conflict, feeling a cutting shame and intense pride in his Mexican ancestry. So he talks about how in America we praise and romanticize the Greeks. You know, our most important buildings are modeled after theirs. Latin phrases are inscribed at almost every single significant government location. And then on top of that, we credit them with the invention of democracy. And while Greece is referred to as the cradle for Western civilization, Mesoamerica, and Mexico specifically, is also one of the six cradles of civilization. There are only six instances where a location and culture um, developed civilization that was created independent of any other civilization in other locations. It purely came together as one and created its own civilization with like complex systems, government, etc. Like there's six of those motherfuckers in history. What are the other six? Cleveland. <laughs> Greece. No, I'm kidding. So yeah. <laughs> Greece, uh, Mexico, I China, I would imagine, and then um either ethiopia or egypt i would guess potentially both i think both and then uh fuck i think the other one was peru i want to say i don't know i was Uh, like the incans yeah i'm being if i'm being completely honest with you i was just like yeah us in greece baby this (laughs) is Wait, no, hey, when am I going to get my big fat Mexican wedding? <laughs> Here's a list. I found a list. Oh, yeah. Hit me with that. <laughs> Thanks, History Channel. <laughs> so the six great cradles of civilization are Greece, Mexico, <laughs> aliens. aliens, ghosts, and of course, gunk Ice road truckers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so the first one is Mesopotamia, which is Greece, uh, essentially. Uh, the next one is ancient egypt no surprises yep. there ancient india okay that makes sense ancient china great uh ancient peru you were right hell uh, yeah and then ancient mesoamerica hell which would yeah. be mexico Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Dr. Carrasco claims that while we praise the Greeks, all Americans know about Mexico are basically like our defeats, uh, jokes about our people, and tasty food. Tacos. Um, <laughs> there is no praise given to our influence on civilization because we had artists, philosophers, and architects who produced complex works of art, calendars. I mean, the calendar system for uh, for the Mesoamerican people was also 365 days like that's come on man that's fucking awesome that means they had to figure out how many revolutions the earth was making in a year and account for that with tools that seem incredibly primitive to us that we don't understand or alien alien no i i think they developed tools and and probably used the stars uh yeah 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 yeah. but look don't tell that to the history channel because we're still trying to get a sponsorship i mean we're not but we're not but uh, we will but sell aliens? out. Like, yeah. what if aliens? <laughs> so uh, they also had buildings that were fucking impressive as hell uh, that are like just as impressive as the other civilization or cradles of civilizations that were in Greece or Egypt. 
So while we talk about some of this shit, I want you to remember that it is a small part of a larger culture, one that is often joked about and looked at as scary instead of being praised for what it has given to the world and civilization as a whole. Uh, secondly, when we, and when I say we, I mean like pretty much all scholars and people, when we refer to Aztecs, they're mostly referring to the political Aztec empire that lived in central Mexico from the 1300s to the 1500s. In fact, and this is something I didn't know, the term Aztec wasn't one that the Mesoamerican people gave themselves. It was a term that was invented by scholars in the 1800s to refer to a coalition of mostly three different indigenous peoples groups. Um... And on top of that, when people refer to those people, they're mainly referring to the Mexica, which was the ruling class of what we now refer to as the Aztec Empire. And on top of that, when we talk about the Mexica and their religion, we're talking about only the state-sponsored religion and not the folk religion that most people practice in their daily lives. And on top of that, most of the writing that we have on religion from that time comes to us from 16th century Spaniards who saw the Mexica as barbaric heathens. So basically what I'm trying to say is you've got a small time frame of a small section of a specific region filtered through the lens of Christian Europeans. So what it's we know... what you might call it like a seven-layer history burrito. <laughs> Exactly. It's it's very deep. We only have a limited knowledge of some of this stuff. And what I'm trying to say is that if a lot of other people barely understand this shit, uh, you can bear with me as I fumble through it. That's what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. Something else that kind of strikes me about this, because I've been listening to the Behind the Bastards episodes on Columbus, which are fantastic. Highly recommend. But one of the things that he kept bringing up was... Anytime Columbus wanted to enslave somebody, he would justify it by essentially making them seem more barbaric than they actually were so that he could then justify it to Europe and be like, well, they're beyond hope. We can't convert them to Christianity, so we should just enslave them. They're easy to enslave uh, and then would basically try to bolster his case by being like, they're cannibals when there's not necessarily actual evidence that that was the case yeah it was more him lying to get what he wanted exactly so i mean yeah that's the other thing is you have to remember that like the people coming in writing these notes are all about like well let's create a new spain and also like convert everyone to catholicism so you know it's you what you have is this really complex set of beliefs that is uh filtered through this weird lens and again it's like the state-sponsored religion it's like saying that all of Christianity is Catholicism instead of realizing that there's different denominations. And then from church to church, there's different, different. you know, so that's, that's kind of the point of what I'm trying to say. And it's pretty fucked up for people who eat the body and blood of their savior every week to be like, those people are cannibals. (laughs) And I say that as someone who has eaten a hefty amount of body and blood. (laughs) I didn't even put that together. That fucking rocks, honestly. (laughs) Like I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of, from my glass house, I'm not going to throw stones. Yeah, one of the other main selling points of God is that you can fucking eat the dude is what Edible. is on mm. the go. <laughs> 
So to the Aztecs, death was extremely important. Without death, you cannot have life. The world as we know it goes through cycles of life and death, both on a micro scale, like, you know, how the seasons change between spring and summer to fall and winter, but also on a macro scale, because the world as we know it was born from death. But if there aren't any humans, how can there be death? Well, in the Aztec religion, gods can die too. Uh, And so the bones of long dead gods, past generations, were stolen from the underworld and used to create the first sun. Now you're probably asking yourself, wait, did he say the first sun? Yes, because uh, just as seasons come and go, so do the suns. And um, I'm talking, you know, I'm, I literally mean like the sun in the sky, like that big yes. old gas motherfucker out there making Not heat. just like Brian or something <laughs> like <laughs> Although I do wish that like, because they think of the sun as like a living being, I hope they were like, that's Brian Jr. That's so Brian like the third. it's Teletubbies? <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> the Aztecs were the Teletubbies. They, they go to go worship the sun, and then there's like a close-up of the sun, and it's like... It's <laughs> 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 oh always just God. a laughing baby face. I always like to imagine the actors that were babies hang out together. Like, I want the Teletubby <laughs> sun baby to hang out with the Nirvana baby. <laughs> Okay, so they have a baby son like the Teletubbies, uh, but they're making it out of the bones of the dead. Bones yeah, of dead gods. Absolutely. Okay. And, I mean, bones of dead anyone, basically. Like, it, um, every time a son uh, dies, it takes all life with it. Um, and after the fourth son burnt out, an Aztec god known as the Pimpled One, that would be what his name is in English. So basically, That's pretty a te- fucked up. It sounds yeah. like he's going to do some Prometheus ass shit. And they're yeah. just like, yeah, but that complexion, though. <laughs> it, to me, it just sounds like any teenager. <laughs> it's like imagine walking past high school and seeing some nerd and being like, what's up, the Pimpled One? You fucking nerd. Oh, you can repair the sun, but you can't just buy. Buy Clearasil? Fuck you. (laughs) So the pimpled one uh, sacrificed himself and created the fifth sun, which is our current sun, the one that we still have today. Okay. Now, humans and uh, basically the inhabitants of that sun are responsible for keeping it alive with ritual sacrifices of both animals and humans. To them... Blood literally made the world go round. Hmm. Except, again, that's not really the full story, although it is the one that most of us have heard, or at least partially heard. In truth, ritual sacrifices were oftentimes used as a political move by the ruling class to instill fear into their enemies and their subjects. Victims of blood sacrifices were usually captured enemy warriors or prisoners that were locked up by whoever happened to be in charge. Um, so so kind of you know, like, you know, cutting the head off Anne Boleyn or whatever, you know, how yeah. how civilized Europeans can be. Exactly. And that's kind of the thing is that like when you just go like, oh, these people believe that you had to like kill people to to make the sun keep coming up it's like that is kind of the reasoning but also most of the time that somebody was sacrificed it was again a captured enemy warrior and then uh in addition to that basically like the enemy's 
uh, king would be invited to your land to watch this ritual sacrifice happen where you would, under the guise of making the sun keep going, kill his warrior and just basically be like, this is what will happen if you fucking do this again. It is like fully violent propaganda used to instill fear on your people. That's metal as fuck. Exactly, dude. I'm not taking it back, dude. Mexico is the most metal fucking country to ever exist, bro. <laughs> and that's that's some like ancient Rome level shit right there. Like yeah. hardcore. Yeah, so, you know, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Remember that we all, like, all we know is the beliefs of the state and not what each individual practiced. Because, sure, there are also some priests who worship certain gods that mutilated themselves or offered animals, but a majority of the human blood rituals were used as, like I said, violent propaganda to keep your empire in check. But all of that came to an end in 1519 when Cortez and his merry army of colonizers set foot in Mesoamerica. And then began the long and horrific process of taking the land by force, desecrating generations of culture, and committing countless war crimes. You know, your run-of-the-mill European colonization. It's what they do. It's what <clears throat> it's they, what they do. do, baby. And you know what we do? We take breaks for ads. And, <laughs> I'm, sorry, and, I'm sorry. You know what and, we do? Sometimes we, do. we relax with this next sponsor. <laughs> and before we go into it, I just want to say this next sponsor does not condone European colonization. All oh, right, sure let's get don't. into it. Yeah, never. They would never. <laughs> uh, let's hear a word from our sponsors. When she moved back to her hometown, Gia never expected to run into Jack. But when she sees him at the local dive bar, she finds herself drawn to him all over again. Want to know what happens next, Armando? Oh, absolutely, Paige. Or maybe you want to know a whole lot more. I'm fanning myself because it's so steamy. Then you should check out this sexy story and many more on Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. And they bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. You could find stories about that intriguing coworker with a British accent or hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. Speaking of accents, did you know that you could choose from multiple accents, different types of partners and levels of steaminess? Lately, I've been working on a farm with Ronan and hooking up behind a restaurant with Abe. Behind the dumpster. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, with Abe, I'm assuming Abe Lincoln, by the way. Oh yeah. Top hats. Mm, Get me going. Yeah. New content is released every week. So between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they also offer written stories. Ooh, so you're saying I can read like an intellectual, but like kind of <laughs> like a filthy little. Bad word. You could get real smart with it. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to let us say filthy little... The same bad word. But also, love it. <laughs> probably. It probably got bleeped out. 
It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. Look, I've already listened to podcasts with partners. This is like that, but for sexy times. Look, if you've got a headphone splitter, you can make some stuff happen. Ooh, girl, I'm about to split your audio input. Mm. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash cult pod. That's 30 days of full access for free. When you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash cult pod. That's C-U-L-T-P-O-D. Dipsystories.com slash cult pod. Okay, so... As the Spanish forced Catholicism on their new indigenous subjects, this fun little thing happened that we've seen time and time again. It's called syncretism. Yay, religious syncretization, a.k.a. aliens. Exactly. It's not Thank aliens. You. It's not. I mean, anything can be aliens, Paige, if you get enough money from the travel channel or the history <laughs> the channel. The history channel. They are both uh, equal things. And I just want to say to David Zaslav, we love you, buddy. Hey, <laughs> hey, boss man. <laughs> what Please if don't take the my new son was created by the aliens? <laughs> <laughs> That's great, David. Please don't take my job. Anyway, so um, syncretism is what happens when basically any time Catholicism is forced onto people with an existing religion... They start to see similarities, and over time, the two start to blend together. We covered it a lot in Ghost Dance, and then we also covered it recently with an episode uh, that, that you had did where we mentioned yeah, syncretism. Yeah, uh, we covered it in Narco Satanicos, definitely, and then we covered uh, uh, John of God. We covered religious syncretization. There we go. Uh, where he was like, you know, uh, sticking blades near people's eyeballs and shit. <laughs> because God commanded it. He didn't. <laughs> Yeah, that guy, uh, boy, that guy command sure do do commandeth a lot. (laughs) I mean, he commandeth a lot of jail time for all of the sexual abuse. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the quick version is that a lot of indigenous religions credit different deities and beings with being tied to certain things. For example, the pimpled one from earlier who sacrificed himself so that we could live, he became the god of the sun. And this practice is real similar to how certain canonized saints became the patron saint of something specific. Basically, like in Catholicism, as we've covered time and time again, some people that were really close to God um, were made saints after their death. And based on the way that they die, they were made the saint of blah, 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 blah. Like, I have some examples here. Most of them are pretty broad or wide-ranging, like St. Christopher, the patron saint of travelers, or St. Thomas Aquinas, the patron saint of education. Um, But I've also found some weirdly specific ones that I didn't know about. (laughs) Yes! This is something we have barely scratched the surface of, but, like, just like we have our list of people who claim to be Jesus... The list of weird saints. I cannot wait. This is going to be amazing. Oh, absolutely. These are just two of several different ones that I just was like, uh, again, fell down a rabbit hole and was like, what the fuck, dude? So we have uh, some specific ones like St. Drogo, the patron saint of ugly people. (laughs) I can't believe his name is Drogo. (laughs) 
<laughs> or but also Cal Drogo, not ugly. <laughs> What's up, Jason Momoa? Ooh. Hey, hey. Or Saint uh, Fiarsi, the patron saint of STDs. Oh no. Uh, yeah, you can pray to him with a candle, but it turns out he brings his own burning. So you know, it's all working out for him. <laughs> There was a couple other ones that I saw. Like one of them, uh, there's there's literally this patron saint of the internet. Like that exists. There is one, and that was not a guy who died recently. By the way, he died in like the 1500s. They were just like they're struggling because I feel like at first when they started making patron saints, they gave people like eight different things that you were the saint for, and now they're just like we gave too many away. We don't have enough stuff for fucking all the people that got killed because of God. It's like St. Giles, the patron saint of breastfeeding, or St. Gamaris, the patron saint of difficult marriages. <laughs> Which, these are real. I'm looking at you Google, right? Like, these yeah, are yeah, real I just Googled them. <laughs> I Googled them. But I was also reminded uh, via St. Drogo, um, a, a lot of... So my husband still has his long hair from COVID. He hasn't cut it. And uh, a lot of the uh, people in our neighborhood have told him that he looks like like white Jason Momoa. <laughs> I could, yeah, I definitely can see it. And uh, one of the guys that works at the corner store that we go to all the time for like milk and toilet paper or whatever, uh, he was just like, you know what you look like? You look like that guy. And in Jake's head, he was like, I know this is going to be Jason Momoa because that's the answer it always is. Uh, but he was like, what's his name? Waterman? And <laughs> we've laughed about it for weeks. Waterman. I mean, he, he's close because if this guy he's speaks Spanish. He's like an off-brand Aquaman, yeah. If this guy speaks Spanish, then he was trying to say like, you look like Aqua. Aquaman. Aquaman. Agua hombre. Yes. Agua hombre. <laughs> yeah, Waterman. So you look like we Senor Agua, him. fool. Senor Agua. Um, I'm excited to see Wakanda Forever with the Submariner, which uh, pulls a lot of Aztec imagery in. So that should oh, be yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah. I uh, was at a movie theater and somebody was like, did you hear that they're going to put a Mexican in the new Black Panther movie? <laughs> and I went, yeah, thanks. Two tickets to Barbarian, please. Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a we good need movie. to talk about Barbarian after. <laughs> oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> we, we just put out our Horror Virgin episode on it. What Oof, a ride. I really want to listen to it because I got some ideas and some thoughts. Anyway, so over time, Catholic symbols, Aztec beliefs, and then also some real-life Mexican figures started to blend together to create folk saints. These are uncanonized saints that are venerated locally in Mexico but are strictly frowned upon by the, uh, by the official church. Catholic fan fiction. Got it. Exactly. Among the most famous of the Hispanic folk saints are people like uh, Juan Soldado or the or Juan the Soldier. Um, legend has it that Juan was accused of a crime that he didn't commit. He was tried overnight without a lot of evidence, and an angry mob stood outside the prison where he was held. Somehow he managed to escape, but he was killed before crossing the border. And now he is the patron saint of undocumented immigrants. This that is makes sense. somebody that they pray to. Also, it's worth mentioning that uh, Juan Soldado was a real person that may have committed a sexual assault and oh, no. murder on a child. 
But it's also, I mean, the thing is, is no one knows whether or not he is guilty because the real story is that this guy was accused, uh, arrested, and then tried basically in the in the course of an hour without any due diligence. And then they mm. basically, like, back in the day, um, they would do this thing where it was just easier to kill somebody if they were trying to escape so they basically took him out back and said you can run or we can just shoot you but either way we're gonna say you tried to escape and we're gonna kill you so it doesn't really matter if he's guilty or not it was sort of this like he became a saint because people were upset with the justice system that was sort of in place so um I mean, maybe could have picked somebody else, but like, sure. True, 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 true. But again, this is the other thing is literally no one knows if he was guilty or not. And I spent a, I spent way too much time searching. Um, but there are historical records of the actual man who existed and no one can agree on whether or not he was guilty. Hmm. Uh, there's also Jesus Malverde, which is the Sinaloan Robin Hood who stole from the rich and gave to the poor. That was until he crossed the wrong dude, a crime lord who ran Sinaloa. He was given an offer that he couldn't refuse. If he could steal the governor's sword, then the crime lord would pardon him for stealing from him. Jesus succeeded, but then spent the rest of his life on the lamb from the governor because, you know, he stole, stole the guy's sword. Yeah. yeah so yeah, he yeah. was eventually tracked down and murdered by the police. And after his death, he became a hero to the Sinaloan working class, a symbol of those who basically do what they got to do to get by. And now he is more commonly referred to as the narco saint of the drug trade. <laughs> I was going to ask, I was like, this sounds familiar uh, from all of the drug TV I have watched. Yeah. This, uh, so it's really funny because like you'll have a couple, like there's the Guatemalan saint uh, Maximon or San Simon, um, who is like, a caricature of a person like he's got a big hat he's got like kind of the low eyes the like cholo mustache like he literally looks like a cartoon character um, because he doesn't exist he was like the idea of a shaman mixed with the idea of catholicism put together he was he's the story of what he is is sort of like he is the shaman to god he is like the intermediary that these people who didn't understand catholicism used to sort of branch out into Catholicism and he's not real so his 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 figures look very cartoonish and um are they differ from who you're talking to and who's venerating that person uh people like Jesus Malverde and Juan Soldado who are based off of real life people if you look them up it's just a guy like it's yeah, literally it's just a regular just, dude. It's just a regular dude with like a goatee and like a normal outfit. And I just think that's so funny. to be well, like, it's That's, just that's a guy. how Catholicism is, though, because like it started out with like legendary people of like, oh, this person slew a serpent. And, and so mm -hmm. you're like that. Maybe that's not real. I don't know. But then they keep venerating saints, right? Like you can put people up for sainthood. And so at a certain point you get to more modern day and it's like St. Bridget of whatever. And it's like, that's just a lady. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, she was a cool lady. That's why she's the patron saint of pogs or like whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. We have St. Brian. He fucked around and got a triple double. It was a good day. <laughs> 
Um, There's Saint so. Joanna of the hash browns. She loved hash browns. <laughs> and when we say that, we meant she loves smoking hash and hanging out with brown people. Anyway, so the point <laughs> that's that why she's a saint. <laughs> the point. The point is, is that a lot of these canonized saints are European from a really long time ago whose lives were nothing like the lives of people who eventually became the citizens of Mexico. So these unofficial folk saints offered a sense of familiarity, they represented issues faced by the locals, and it offered a being that you could pray to who was um, a little more amoral than a lot of the other saints of catholicism imperfect the way that people are imperfect exactly exactly like you can you can uh venerate uh jesus malverde while you're running your drug trade but it feels kind of weird to ask the virgin mary to like let please let this heroin get to america safe you know it's just it's a little strange so that's that's kind of what they offered but also again it's not just about the drug trade it's about local stuff like i said jesus uh not jesus sorry juan soldado represented the distrust in the government and in the governing bodies the police force and their like um uh, the ways that they tried people so it, it represents a very real issue that people were facing at the time also that movie sicario rise of the soldato <laughs> so enter santa muerte or holy death when the spanish introduced catholicism they brought with them iconography like the virgin mary uh, jesus cristo and of course the grim reaper the last of which reminded the Aztecs of their own god of death, uh, and I'm so sorry, Mentecatzuat. Uh, Mentecatzuat was the queen of the underworld, along with her husband. And this creepy couple were often depicted as human skeletons that wore traditional robes, which is really similar to the Grim Reaper with his bony-ass black robes and scary-ass scythe. Here's a question, and you may be able to answer this, you may not. Uh, living in, in Los Angeles, a place with a, a heavy Mexican influence, uh, Dia de los Muertos, uh, sometimes they, are, they will depict um, married couples as skeletons. Mm -hmm. Is that what that comes from? Actually, yeah. So Dia de los Muertos is one of these other instances of syncretism where you have an idea of, um, you have like these roots from the Aztec religions mixing with Catholicism. And I, I, if I'm being completely honest with you, I think that's what those are representing. They're the married couple that sits and guards over the underworld. They're literally the queen of the underworld. And then his, her like fucking uh, Prince Charles or whatever that fucker was before he became king. Yeah, you mean Prince Philip? I am thinking the queen's husband, who is not necessarily royal by blood, but oh, god damn it! I've talked about royalty so fucking much for the last month, yeah. and if I never talk about monarchies again, it'll be too soon. Yeah, the point is, is that this queen means more to me than the one that actually existed. So f fuck the royal family, unless you're talking about. And let me scroll up here. Metukatsuat. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. I can pronounce these ancient words. So for the Spanish, the Grim Reaper wasn't a literal being. 
He was a representation of death that was used in Catholicism. But as we've covered, death was a really big fucking deal for the Aztec people. And because of this, some indigenous peoples believed that the Grim Reaper was actually the patron saint of death and chose to venerate him like you would any other saint. Because it makes sense. If you have iconography, if you're putting an image to an idea that is such a big deal for the Aztec people, People that they're like well yeah he's just a guy like any of the guys and also we have a girl who does the same shit is the same shit you know right right yeah so over time the idea of the aztec queen of death and this new patron satan of death merged through uh syncretism to create santa muerte aka the holy death However, this really pissed off the Spanish colonizers who strictly outlawed the veneration of any bootleg saints. They did not like it, they did not fuck with it, and they got really upset anytime they heard about it. Records from the late 1700s from Spanish inquisitors tell tales of indigenous folk venerating, praying to, and often sacrificing for skeletal figures of death. Worshippers of Santa Muerte were punished swiftly and severely, and so it's no surprise that official records of her followers basically stop for over 200 years. However, that is not to say that they died out. In all likelihood, her followers just moved underground, worshipping the new queen of death in secret and slowly developing the folk saint into a new larger-than-life legend. And this means that Santa Muerte means wildly different things to different people. In fact, the next time records of Santa Muerte appear, it's all the way in the 1940s. And scholars report local women venerating a skeletal figure that they refer to as Santa Muerte as some sort of supernatural love doctor. <laughs> Basically, if you suspected your man or partner of being unfaithful, you would light a red candle and pray to the bony lady. Either she would protect your relationship or she would exact revenge on your no good two timing ass man. But like I told you he was no good and shit. He's always running around and shit. This is like the Ryan's roses of the God world uh, <laughs> where it's like you could either send a fake bouquet of roses to somebody and either they'll be like, yeah, I'm going to send it to my girlfriend because I love her. And I know that like she's been working really hard. Or you could be like, yeah, to this girl I've been talking to. And oh, we have your girlfriend on the other line. Like. That's what this is. <laughs> yeah, I like to imagine now that Santa Muerte is just running like a cheater style, like setup yes. sting show. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, like, I'm picturing Santa Muerte like with a microphone, like, so we caught you with someone else. What do you have to say to your girlfriend, Michelle? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy is just screaming because a skeleton is talking. <laughs> it's like, oh God, I don't want to die. I just, we met at a bar. I don't know. <laughs> One thing that I didn't actually get to mention uh, that I realized I haven't written down, but is important, is that who, the, the image of Santa Muerte is literally a mix of uh, Metecatzuat and uh, the Grim Reaper, where like Metecatzuat is a female skeleton figure. The Grim Reaper is a skeleton in um, a robe with a scythe. 
And uh, Santa Muerte is a female skeleton that wears right. traditional robes and in one hand carries a scythe and in the other hand carries a scale. It is like a perfect merging of these two ideas. So for a really long time, for certain people, Santa Muerte is this uh, supernatural love doctor. But in Topito, Mexico City, Santa Muerte represented something completely different. The figure rose to prominence there after a local quesadilla seller built a shrine to Santa Muerte to thank her for freeing her son from prison in 2001. (laughs) What was in those quesadillas? (laughs) Uh, This is the first time that the folk saint was publicly venerated in the open in over 200 years. Like people... I mean, like I said, there were reports of people lighting red candles in secret and basically praying to this love doctor. But th- in 2001, um, this quesadilla seller, basically like her son comes home from prison. It didn't seem like he ever would. She sets up a statue outside of her home and is just like, thank you, Santa Muerte. You did this. And everyone else is like, oh, word? We're, 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 we're worshiping Santa Muerte again? Okay, dude, it's fucking on, bro. Hmm. So inspired by this quesadilla lady, uh, many other devotees of Santa Muerte built shrines, they hung figures, and they even erected statues honoring the Queen of Death. But perhaps the biggest devotee was a man named Jonathan Lagaria Vargas, who in 2007 built a statue of Santa Muerte that measured a whopping 75 feet tall. Holy shit! Yeah, which is uh, um, uh, Santa Mierde. <laughs> That's really dumb. I'm sorry. Yeah, you should look up this uh, Jonathan Lagaria Vargas uh, Santa Muerte statue. It is fucking huge. And it By looks way, like a giant pinata. If you type in 75 foot tall Santa, it says Santa Claus. And I'm sure there is one. But I'm looking for the Santa Muerte statue. Um Large Santa Muerte statue on Etsy. That's not what I want. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's so many. Oh, I'm assuming it's this one because that's massive. Yeah. If it's the one that he built out just outside of Mexico City. So the, the reason I, I, I believe it's this one is because next to it is a carport that is very small. <laughs> <laughs> and this this. Hold on. I'm going to share my screen. Is this one? Uh, yes, there it is. There we go. Because I was like, those are people and that is huge. Yeah. And again, what I really love about this the most is that um, when I say statue, you might be thinking of like stone yeah. or wood. It's no. a big ass pinata, dude, that is clearly this painted with spray paint. Very homemade. Uh, yeah. And it looks like it's largely made out of tarps and cardboard. Um, but I mean, it's taller than trees. Hey, respect where respect is due, dog. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so Jonathan, who would later take on the much more badass name, uh, Comandante Pantera, was a charismatic and outspoken advocate for Santa Muerte, going so far as to found the folk saint's first official church known as uh, Templo de la Santa Muerte Internacional. 
Comandante Pantera, which is uh, Spanish for Commander Panther, which is also making an appearance in the new Black <laughs> Panther movie, I hope. Wakanda forever. Commander Panther. <laughs> You're here to help us. We've got you and the Northman. Which direction is north? Uh, so uh, Commander Panther was uh, well on his way to becoming basically the Pope of Santa Muerte, but unfortunately, he was gunned down in his car and murdered in 2008, just a year after building his insane statue. And he was mourned by his mother, Enriqueta Vargas. Um, and here's the thing. Mrs. Vargas was not a believer in Santa Muerte. In fact, she was a devout venerator of the Virgin Guadalupe. However, she was disgusted that her son's killers got off basically scot-free. So she vowed to continue her son's work in spreading the word of the holy death if the bony lady would in turn exact revenge on the men who assassinated her son. And wouldn't you know it, that's exactly what happened. I mean, it sounds like Santa Muerte, more than anything else, is the the holy like revenge like the saint of revenge uh that is part of it and we'll kind of get into a little bit of uh of fully what she is a patron saint of but before we do that i want to cover the fact that there are a few possibilities first and foremost this shit might be real and the holy death killed a couple gangbangers okay i i just there's two things that i won't do on the record and one of them is shit on the cartels and the other one is shit on santa muerte i don't care what y'all say i'm out here protecting my neck okay you don't just build a 75 foot pinata if you can't do shit is what i'm saying if it's you know? not filled with holy candy <laughs> exactly it's all marzipan all the way down you're gonna get so much stains on your clothing um However, that being said, it's pretty likely that the murderers were just killed for an unrelated reason, and the time of their death just happened to be shortly after Enriqueta Vargas made her plea. Either way, she decided to honor her vow and expanded La Templo de la Santa Muerte beyond her son's wildest dreams. Mrs. Vargas is regarded as most as the highest priest of Santa Muerte, her influence and work spread the folk religion across the Americas in the forms of statues, temples, and shrines. She spent the rest of her life spreading the word of Santa Muerte and amassed influence, power, and a whole shitload of money. It is estimated that because of her, between 5 to 7 million people worship Santa Muerte. However, Damn. yeah, it is... It's fucking hard to know how many people practice because so many people practice in complete secrecy. So in all likelihood, that number is probably a couple million higher, which wow. is insane to think about. Santa Muerte is one of the fastest growing religions in Western civilization. That doesn't surprise me, given how many temples we have locally. Exactly. Temples, temples and shrines can be found throughout Mexico. They can be found in border towns across the U.S. And basically anywhere you can find a Mexican. Like, if you can find a Mexican, you can assume that there is a temple or a shrine nearby. Um, and despite the reputation from the media, 
uh, who they kind of say that Santa Muerte is practiced by like gangbangers and drug dealers. And like, it's, it's very specifically about these bad types of people. Uh, that's not true. The bony lady is venerated by all sorts of people from farmers and miners to lawyers and doctors. She is the folk saint of the people who is willing to help you out with real problems without passing any judgment. Because remember, death comes for us all. It's not good. It's not bad. And just like death, Santa Muerte is amoral. She didn't give a shit, you know? It's, it, you can ask for whatever you want. So sure, she is venerated by cartel members and drug lords, but she is also worshipped by the police and the federales who work to catch those drug lords, as well as the victims who are suffering at the hands of the cartel. Whoever you are, Santa Muerte is willing to listen. And she is often referred to as the patron saint of the dangerous profession. And she watches over firefighters, sex workers, taxi drivers, basically anyone who needs protection venerates Santa Muerte because it's, 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 it's more about like, it's more about how she is here for all of you. You know, she's not, uh, she's not good. She's not bad. She's just here to make sure that you are protected. And so that is kind of what she's about. It's not just about drug lords and gangbanging like uh, <laughs> Jesus Malverde. It's, it's to protect everyone. And as we're wrapping up, I want to point out something else that is super dope about Santa Muerte. This isn't going to come as a surprise to most of you, uh, but Catholicism and, and Christianity is pretty dude-centric. All right. Yeah. God is referred to as him. Jesus is our male savior. And you still cannot be a priest unless you are a man. In How in, Cath in Catholicism, yes. Yeah. But, yeah. However, Santa Muerte is the worship of a female folk saint that was derived from a powerful female Aztec god. Additionally, the most popular idea of the bony lady was as a helper of wronged women for a super long time before she became a symbol of protection for an entire culture. And on top of that, most of the prominent figures spearheading the folk religion were and are women. The folk saint reemerged after being venerated by the quesadilla seller, a mother. And then Mrs. Vargas became the queen of Santa Muerte. And after she passed away, her daughter was the one to take over. So not only is the folk religion extremely female-focused, but it has also provided a way for women to receive power and capital as well as influence. So the next time you hear somebody freak out about Santa Muerte, just remember that there are a ton of scarier things to worry about. And most of those things are covered in the Mexican National Anthem. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of reminds me of, and I know this is a weird thing to reference, but uh, there's a character in the play Into the Woods who is the witch. And she at one point says, I'm not good, I'm not bad, I'm just right. Mm -hmm. Where it's basically this implication of like, I am just and I reflect the things about you that you may not like. Uh, but it, it kind of seems like this is that kind of a figure, which is actually, I would say, pretty consistent for mythology in general. Where most gods in a pantheistic system kind of like that are not necessarily good, not necessarily bad. They're very human in a way where 
they have wants and needs and desires that are personal and maybe not in the best interest of everyone and that is at war with their status as a god um so i find that pretty fascinating this is very interesting thank you yeah and uh right before we go i just wanted to say that um my sources for this were that book by uh, dr david carrasco that i mentioned earlier religions of mesoamerica as well as two really awesome videos that i found on youtube by a channel called religion for breakfast um, and one of them is, uh, about Santa Muerte and he does a really great job of pitching this as like, yeah, a lot of people see this as the folk saint of like drug dealers, but it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a folk saint for the people. It's somebody for all of us. Um, as well as another video that they did on the, uh, the beliefs of the Aztec religion. So Great videos. Go check them out if you want more. A couple things that I learned from his video on Aztec religion that I thought was fucking super interesting. Um, first of all, is that like the idea of the pantheon of gods as we know them, like so Greek gods, for example, right? Like you have Thor, you have uh, uh, well, that's that's Norse, <laughs> Norse, yeah. Well, n more like the pantheon of gods, like like Thor in Norse mythology, who like Athena in 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 Greek. Greece, mm -hmm. Greek mythology. Like mm -hmm. these are gods who represent like the god of thunder, the god of war, the god of this, the god of that, you know, whatever. Most. Um, Aztec gods are the gods of multiple things because they sort of like because gods can die certain gods take over the roles of other people um, additionally because gods can die you have some pretty interesting story and mythology like those the the I almost called it the twin towers the twin uh, pyramids that are like super famous mm -hmm. the giant the giant thing that was in Mexico City um, they actually unearthed this strange disc at the base of it that is the image of a different god who was cut into pieces as revenge. So, like, they, their stories involve gods dying all the time, which I think is a really interesting thing. Um, yeah. Also, and again, these, this has nothing to do with the story, just interesting things that I learned that I didn't know how to fit in here. But uh, another thing is that they had a lot of instances of dressing up like gods where like mm -hmm. you would sort of impersonate a god. But they had this belief that when you dressed up as a god, you weren't impersonating that god. You physically became that god. So sometimes when they needed to sacrifice a god... They would turn a person, they would dress them up like a god and then have them live like that for like a year before they were eventually, you know, sacrificed for whatever the purpose was. Wow. Yeah. Wild. That shit. I do think the, the death of gods is fascinating. That does occur in some other mythology, but it's few and far between. It's not a regular occurrence. So to have gods die as regularly seemingly as people is very fascinating yeah and sometimes it is um you know sometimes it is like a literal death where that is like their purpose in their in the mythology is like this person died but also remember that like when you die you go to the underworld so sometimes you are still there 
Um, and also like the reason the sun is so important because night and day feels a lot like life and death. They believe that the sun traveled in the daytime through the world of the living and through the nighttime would go through the underworld, the world of the dead. Um, which is just, again, super interesting. So yeah, that is our episode on Santa Muerte. I want to thank you all for, uh, for, for letting me do this because it was super fun and I had a this blast. Was super interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a, a super shout out to our sponsor Dipsy for letting us, uh, make it sexy right in the middle. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. Hey. I want to say that if you want to find me uh, on social media, you can. I am at Mondo Does Stuff, uh, M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff, all one word. Um, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, all those things. I am going to be, uh, when this episode comes out, <sighs> I'll be back in Austin, Texas. Uh, and if you want... Did you bring your bulletproof vest? <laughs> I, yeah, I got to buy one. They sell them at the airport now. So it's it's right next to the Reese's Pieces uh, and the pretzels <laughs> that they sell. Um, so yeah, I will be doing a few shows. If you check my Instagram, that's where I'm going to post about them. If you want to come out. Uh, I want to thank everyone in Minneapolis who's been super nice and super kind and put up with me visiting all these dumb places like the Mall of America and the Duluth Trading Company and a Fleet Farm, which I have referred to on accident several times as Fleet Foxes, which is a whole <laughs> different thing. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I love you. Goodbye. Good night. Good luck. Mwah. Have you been to Glamdoll Donuts yet? I have not. Okay, that's the like, it's one of those things that I'm like, I got to get back to Minneapolis. I got to get back to Glamdahl. Anyway, uh, if you're listening to this on on Monday, uh, I will be roast battling October 11th at the Comedy Store against Guam Felix. And then October 31st, Halloween, there is a huge roast battle event at the Comedy Store. I'm not allowed to talk about who's battling who or who all is going to be there. But I am going to tell you that it's a fucking murderer's row. I've been talking to my opponent for a couple days already, and every single battle that night's going to be fire. It's going to be wild. If you have been waiting to go see Rose battle for something, that's the night to go. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I want to. I want to just specify that, like, I am. Uh, I'm making. They hired me to make the flyer because I yeah I'm so excited for that I used to you know I used to make flyers for roast battle I don't do contract work anymore as soon as they hit me up I was like absolutely I will be doing that <laughs> for sure I'll make this flyer dude and I asked them like hey what's the lineup can you give me this um and uh, <laughs> The first thing that I noticed is that there really isn't a main event. It's just nope. It's just it's like uh, six main events. Yeah, yeah. it's just back to back main <laughs> events. And uh, every time they would send me the list of who was battling, I would be like, "Oh shit!" You know, so like <laughs> it's gonna be a fucking killer show. And I said it before that I wanted to come. There's no way I'm fucking missing this. I Yo. will be there. Like, once I got the final list of who all was going to be there, I was just like, holy shit. Like, yeah. if there was ever a time to watch it, and they are filming it, but, like, 
I don't know specifics of streaming and, and whatnot. And it's been kind of tricky to stream stuff because it streams in a couple different places or whatever. Yeah. Your best chance to see it is to be there live. Also, there is yeah. no experience more fun than being in the room for Roast Battle. All right. It yeah. is unlike anything else. It is like... It's like comedy mixed with boxing. Like it is just fucking like when you t- when you hear people talk about like oh the crowd is electric. It's this fucking room. All right, the main room. It's gonna. Uh, uh, that's it. I'm sorry. I I, I'm, I know. Uh, well, and it's and it's main room. So the last time roast battle was in the main room, and and for those of you who don't know, roast battle typically takes place in a place called the belly room, which is the upstairs room of the comedy store. It's very very small, and the reason they do that is because it is packed out every night and so people are like shoulder to shoulder screaming and it's got this like crazy amazing energy but for events like this it's not big enough they have to go to the main room the last time we were in the main room was our first few weeks back from pandemic because they had to spread out we don't have to spread out as much for this one they are still requiring um i believe vaccination information last i checked yep um but it's full. So that room full, it's going to be wild. You're it not, is going to be nuts. You're not going to want to miss it. If you can come out, you absolutely want to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But if you want more information about that, you can follow me on my socials. That's at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. That's the best place to find show info because it's the fastest. Uh, but you can also find me at Rampage Wesley on TikTok and at Page Wesley on Twitter. Love you so much. Bye. Oh, also horror virgin romance in the pod, but you probably knew that. But yeah, bye. also fantastic shows, and I can't wait to listen to that barbarian episode. Yeah, it's wild. We all kind of loved it. Yeah, so. it's it's a fantastic movie, and like, I mean, I was sold because somebody was like, "It's a horror movie done by the guy from Waitest Kids well, You Know." Kids you know, a <laughs> whole gallon of PCP. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, boy, a uh, whole gallon of PCP is what you need to watch this movie with. Like it is. It, anyway, okay. If you want to follow us on social media, you can uh, at Colt Podcast on Instagram or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also follow. Uh, well, no, you can also send us an email to Colt Podcast Show at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us a petition for you to be the patron saint of hash browns because i did google and there isn't a patron saint of hash browns yet you could send that to 3756 west avenue 40 sweet k number 237 like like the the shining los angeles california 90065 and uh yeah i mean you got to tell us what kind of hash browns you like if you're putting anything on them you know is give this us like your... a corned beef hash situation or just regular hash browns or home fries do you want to be the patron saint of home fries Ooh, let ooh, us know yeah hit us up hit us up and i think for this one i'm gonna say don't drink anything cortez hands you <laughs> just historically we know it's a bad idea And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye.